Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. This is the Tom Hartman Program. A absolutely positively well-proven winning strategy that the Democrats can employ this fall and in 2024 if only they're willing to do the heavy lifting necessary to make it happen. We'll get into that in just a moment. It's really their absolutely best strategy. Plus, an amazing crazy alert this hour. Uh, The QAnon surfer who killed his kids was radicalized by a guy that Louise and I have met. I want to tell you about that. But the headline for the piece that I wrote uh, for today's HartmanReport.com is titled, Democrats should take on the swamp and mean it. And what I'm talking about that, when I say the swamp, I'm talking about corruption. Corruption is the most powerful political word in the English language. And it's the most powerful political world in any language. The reason why Alexei Navalny is is rotting in a jail cell is because when he challenged Vladimir Putin for the presidency of Russia, he did it pointing out Putin's corruption. He's the guy who got the film crew together, who went and found Putin's billion dollar dacha, wherever it is, his mansion that he had built and all the yachts and all this stuff. And they, and they did a whole, you know, they've got this thing called the anti-corruption group. Uh, it's it's uh, got a name very similar to that in Russia. And uh, they're continuing the work, by the way, but he's rotting in jail because Putin knows how powerful the word corruption is. Democrats need to learn from this. Right. I mean, Jair Bolsonaro in Brazil, when he ran for office the first time, he ran on ending corruption in Brazil. In fact, he said, and I quote, the evils and harms of corruption affect the population in any way. This is what we want to stop. A corrupt government stimulates crime in all areas, which, by the way, is true. Vladimir Zelensky is the president of Ukraine because he ran an anti-corruption campaign. He didn't overthrow the guy who was who was uh, Yanukovych, who you know, who Paul Manafort had helped put into power in Ukraine on behalf of Russia, and then Yanukovych, of course, stopped the whole process back in I think it was what 2009. I forget the year, but back there in that neighborhood of time, it was Yanukovych who said, "Oh no, we don't need to join NATO." 
And it, of course, he was he his strings were being pulled by by Paul Manafort, who was working on behalf of of Russian oligarchs, presumably including Putin. And then Manafort comes to the United States in 2016, or and and volunteers for free to run Donald Trump's campaign. Gee, what a surprise! Anyhow, Zelensky ran against the corruption of Petro Poroshenko, who was you know another reasonably he was like he was sort of like a Republican. He was not a, a potent toady, but he was in with the oligarchs, shall we say. And Zelensky, you know, bopped him out of office by, by talking about corruption. Donald Trump ran on being opposed to corruption in 2016. This is an amazing story. I mean, when Louise and I lived in, in D.C. during the 2016 election, we knew a number of people socially who were military or ex-military. I mean, they're all over the place in D.C., right? And, and some of them were people that, you know, we would occasionally hang out with. And the thing that amazed me was how many of them were eager to vote for either Bernie Sanders or Donald Trump. Why? Because they felt that the government had become corrupt. And they wanted to have, you know, somebody from the outside who was going to come in and shake things up. In fact, back right after the 2016 election, in, in March or April of 2017, a reporter for Huffington Post, John Hotchkiss, put together a fake Facebook account and then used that account to join a whole bunch of uh, uh, pro-Trump groups, about 50 different pro-Trump groups. And after he had, you know, established his, yes, I'm a Trump humper here in, in these 50 groups, he put together a meme in which he asked a very simple question. What do you like about President Trump? I'm quoting from his article in Huffington Post, quote, I got more than a thousand responses in 24 hours. And the thing people wrote most is that, is that they like Trump because he's not a politician. He's a real American, not corrupted by Washington and beholden to no one. Trump ran on an anti-camp on an anti-corruption campaign. Remember, in 2015, he was on the stage with all these other Republicans, and he said, and I quote, "They will be bombarded by their lobbyists that donated a lot of money to them." Again, Jeb raised 107 million dollars. Okay, they're not putting that money up because it's a wonderful charity. Well, it is a charity, but for them, not for American Americans. And he says, so their lobbyists, their special interests, their donors will start calling President Bush and. And saying pretty much whatever the whoever is president other than me, other than me. And they'll say, you have to do it. He gave you a million dollars for your campaign, two million, five million. And the plant will be built in Mexico. And that's how we just lost all the plants all over the country. This is Donald and end of quote. That's Donald Trump back in 2015, wiping the floor of the most powerful Republicans in the United States. And the most well-funded and the well, most well-known Republicans, Ted Cruz, Jeb Bush, I mean, he just, he just, Chris Christie, knocked them all out one after the other. So, after that, of course, Trump assembled the most corrupt cabinet in the history of the United States. His attorney general was so corrupt, he wouldn't even tell us what uh, Robert Mueller came up with. He put a fossil fuel lobbyist in charge of the Interior Department. He put a coal lobbyist in charge of the EPA. He put the, uh, the uh, Transportation Department under the, under the 
oversight of Elaine Chao, whose family's worth hundreds of millions of dollars in the shipping industry that's, by the way, regulated by the Transportation Department. He put Wilbur Ross, a billionaire that Forbes magazine calls a, a grifter, in charge of the Commerce Department, where he had access to all kinds of inside information. I mean, you know, he, he put, you know, fascists and criminals like Paul Manafort and, and Michael Flynn into the heart of our political system. I mean, it just and, and the only consequential piece of legislation in four years that Trump passed was a, a, an insanely corrupt two and a half trillion dollar tax cut for his billionaire buddies. Which brings us to the point that you can only run successfully on ending corruption once. Jair Bolsonaro did it in Brazil. And now he's running for re-election. And guess what? He's not mentioning corruption anymore. He can't. Instead, what he's doing is voter suppression. In Brazil, the Republican Party ran on anti-corruption once in 2016. They can't do it again. What are they doing now? Voter suppression in the United States. To stay in power, if you get in power, you know, using anti-corruption, there's two ways to hold power. One is to continue being against corruption. Zelensky, actually, Vladimir Zelensky in Ukraine, created a government agency to end corruption in the federal government of Ukraine. If you're truly opposed to corruption, you know, walk the talk. Zelensky did that. The Republicans didn't do that. Bolsonaro didn't do that. But Democrats can and should do that. You know, normally if you talk about an issue, say health care, people will say, oh, well, you're taking the Democratic or the Republican position? Or student debt or voting rights or inflation or whatever. Labor, green energy, you name it. Immigration. As soon as you put a, a, a party frame around it, you've got people from the other party saying, no way, I'm not going to support you in this. But if you put a corruption frame around it instead, everything changes. There is no partisanship when you mention corruption. So to expand health care, Democrats should be talking about their Republican opponents being corrupt toadies, stooges of the insurance industry on ending student debt. They should point out that their Republican opponents are toadies for the corrupt bankers who are making billions in profit off student debt. On voting rights, they should, they should point out that the Republicans are rigging the system corruptly so that they can wallow in the big bucks that their donors shower on them. On inflation, they can frame the issue as Republicans refusing to do anything about companies that exploit the pandemic and the war in Ukraine to rip off consumers. On labor, they can tell the story of how the Republican Party has been fighting against the right to unionize ever since 1935 without a pause. And it went on steroids in 1981 when Reagan declared the war on working people by busting up PATCO. On green energy, they can frame the issue as, cor as a corrupt fossil fuel industry that doesn't care how much Americans pay for energy or how many people die from you know, exhaust poisons and climate change as long as they can keep their profits going and, of course, their subsidies for the Republican Party. On immigration, they can point out that Republicans have no problem with illegal employers who hire people who aren't supposed to be here because they're on the take from these giant corporations. Framing these issues, you know, remember, Donald Trump talked about the swamp, and that was the thing that got him put into the White House. Democrats need to be talking about the swamp, too. Now, I realize 
we've got a, we've got some swampy problems in the Democratic Party. But people are starting to wake up. Kurt Schrader, you know, here in, in Oregon, the guy who voted against Medicare being able to negotiate drug prices, he's now saying he's not going to take any more money from, from the Koch brothers or from uh, Charles Koch and his foundations and his groups. It's a start, right? We've got Manchin and Cinema. Everybody knows, you know, Cinema's taking money from Big Pharma. Manchin's taking money from fossil fuels. And so they're blowing up, uh, you know, uh, legis good legislation. Well, let's do something about that, though. Let's elect some genuine progress progressive Democrats to the United States Senate. And there are some running this fall so that we can get a large enough majority that and then the Democratic Party needs to commit itself to ending corruption in its own party as well as across the board. This is the Tom Hartman program. This is an electoral strategy that Republicans will not be able to defeat. What say you? John Harmon here with you. Okay, I got I just had this crazy alert. It's just crazy, crazy. And I got to tell you a story about this. A, a California man uh, murdered his two children. He drove them down to Mexico, shot them with a spear gun, and left their bodies by the side of the road. Um, he was the owner of a Christian school in Santa Barbara. And he said that the reason he killed them was because he believed they had lizard DNA. And now he's come out and identified the source of his belief. And this is where it gets really weird. Back, this must have been 30, 40 years ago, a long time ago. Uh, so long ago, I don't remember what city it was in or even if it was in the United States or in the United Kingdom. But Louise and I went to this uh, conference. I was, I was speaking there uh, about something. I, I don't recall the topic now. Uh, probably the last hours of ancient sunlight. But in any case, I, it, we were at this conference that I was speaking at, and we decided to go to some of the breakout sessions. And there was this one where this guy with a British accent was giving a lecture on the history of the world. Something, it was something called like the true history of the world. And it was a two-hour lecture. And, or, or maybe it was just an hour, whatever it was. Anyhow, the first half of the lecture, he was talking about, you know, the rise of secret societies and how the Masons came about and how there was a similar movement in ancient Egypt and, and their symbology and George Washington was sworn in in a Masonic parade and all this stuff that I already knew and I knew was true. And, and, but most of the people in the room obviously were kind of blown away by it. Um, and, you know, he was really, people were really following this guy. I mean, super attentive. And then he starts getting into how the, there are among us, the people who have been running these secret societies, are actually people who have reptilian DNA. They're called archons. And they have created a genetically modified human that has some of their lizard DNA in it. And, and by the end of his talk, he was, he was getting into how Bill Clinton, Bill Clinton was president at the time, this must have been in the 90s, how Bill Clinton every morning gets up and zips on his human suit. I'm not making this stuff up. Well, that guy was David Ikes, or Ike, I-C-K-E, and now this guy from California, he says, yeah, it's that British guy with white hair. And Vice News is reporting, Ike's core beliefs center on an interdimensional race of reptilian beings called archons who have invaded Earth and cracked that created a genetically modified human archon hybrid race of shape-shifting reptilians 
known variously as the Babylonian Brotherhood, the Illuminati, or simply the elite. According to Ike, this group manipulates global events, including the climate crisis, wars, and the COVID-19 pandemic, keeping the human population living in fear so the archons can feed off the resulting negative energy. I'm telling you, I sat in the room and listened to this guy, or, or, or a clone of him, uh, you know, <laughs> 30 years ago or thereabouts, and it's amazing. Catherine in Las Vegas. Hey, Catherine, what's up? Well, um, I thank you for taking my call. I totally um, agree. However, um, agree with what Elizabeth Warren? Uh, the corruption should be the uh, uh, can be the centerpiece of a campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the centerpiece of Elizabeth Warren's campaign in every interview, in every debate. When they ask, "What's your number one priority? What's the first thing you would do? What's your campaign about?" in one word. She said corruption. Now, she came out of the gate swinging and at her, you know, introduction rally in New York had 100,000 people after one of the debates, flew to Colorado, had a rally with 60,000 people, was pulling huge numbers, bigger than most other candidates, um, rivaling Trump's numbers, if not beating his numbers. And as soon as she moved up in one poll to first place in the race, the media completely erased her. But for the fact that it was posted on social media, you wouldn't know that she was having this attendance. She was excluded from major articles. Even even when the VP uh, Veep Stakes was going on, despite the fact that she was meeting weekly with Joe Biden to help him craft his economic package um, and craft his um, half of his campaign platforms, um, when people like Jonathan Capehart interviewed the women in contention for VP, she was completely excluded from the article, despite being reported as one of the front runners. and women who had already been reported to be out of the running for it were included. Um, they They made um, concerted efforts to erase her campaign. And so the 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 anti-corruption message, works if you can get it out there. But if you're someone that they believe will actually get rid of the corruption, they're going to make it really hard for you. This is why in my article this morning over at Harvard Report and also in my rant, I'm saying this needs to be something that the entire party embraces. And it's going to be very uncomfortable for, you know, some members of the party who are, you know, who, who have their hand out, you know, the mansions and cinemas of the world. And, and they're not the only ones. But there, you know, the Congressional Progressive Caucus now is the largest or second largest caucus in the Democratic Party, and which was very much not the case 10 or 15 years ago. I, I, I understand what you're saying, Catherine, and I completely agree with it. And I was commenting at the time about how Elizabeth Warren had just basically been been uh, ghosted by the media. I mean, once major she started polls, getting... they didn't even include her name in major polls, even despite the fact that she was running first and second in most of the states early I on. I know. But, but, but see, if the entire party was talking about corruption, I don't think that would have happened. But that's because she wasn't just talking about corruption like politicians do when they put it all over the TV. They knew that she was serious about it and they couldn't have that. There you go. And and I think that had she been uh, vice, well, I, actually I don't want to get into it because that sounds like I'm picking on, on Vice President Harris. But I, I think that, I still think that Elizabeth Warren is probably one of the strongest contenders for the White House 
in 2024. We'll see how it shakes out. I would certainly support her in a heartbeat. Catherine, thank you for the call. Sometimes Louise and I just crave a restaurant quality dinner at home without doing all the work or driving. Well, Cook Unity is the first chef to you service delivering locally sourced meals from award-winning chefs right to your door every week. And it appears to be less expensive than other delivery options. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman with two N's or enter the code Hartman with two N's before checking out for 50% off your first week. We just received our first meals from Cook Unity and what a huge difference it is to get the best chefs in the country to bring creative, delicious meals to us and you every week. Every meal is handcrafted by chefs and made in local micro kitchens, not large production facilities. We just had the chipotle maple glazed salmon with green beans and mango pico de gallo. It had everything we love in a meal. They have all sorts of options like vegan, paleo, pescatarian, gluten-free, and more. Menus are posted two weeks in advance, so you have plenty of time to choose. Experience chef-quality meals every week delivered right to your door. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman with two N's or enter the code Hartman with two N's before checking out for 50% off your first week. That's 50% off your first week by using the code Hartman or going to cookunity.com slash Hartman. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Barney in Argos, Indiana. Hey, Barney, thanks for watching us on Free Speech. What's up? I was just thinking about how uh, I, you probably remember the election of 88 where Dukakis was like 20 points ahead. And then all of a sudden he kind of collapsed because of this Willie Horton yep. ad that they put. Well, it wasn't just the ad. It was the, the big gaffe was when the reporter using the ad, using that whole issue, when that, right. I, and I think it was Bernard Kell, but I could be wrong. I mean, it's, that was back a long time ago. <laughs> It was Bernard Shaw. Bernard Shaw. Okay, I knew it was a Bernard. And 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 you know, the reporter asked him if your wife was murdered by the had been murdered by this convict, would you want him yeah, put to death? And yeah. and 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 he waffled. And you know, right. he he just he what he should have said was, I sure as hell would have felt that way, whether it's the right thing right. to do under the law or not is another thing. Right. But instead, he goes into this long, meandering, professorial thing. That was what right. killed Michael Dukakis as much as it, the Willie Horton had. You're absolutely right about that. But then we got to go back to what Truman, you know, Truman ran against the 80th Congress. He called it the do nothing. Yep. I, I wasn't alive then, but I, I know the story. That was in 1948. And then we have to really. Uh, no, that was 1950. Or was it? No, it was 48. But he was running for president. Right. And he said he said that he was a campaign stop out west. And they had like half the seats were empty. And uh, this big fella got up in the back and he said, give him hell, Harry. And then Truman said, of course, I never gave nobody no hell. He says, I just told the truth. And to them, that was hell. Exactly. It was one of his most famous lines ever. (laughs) Well, why can't they just tell the truth? All I have to do is show 
exactly what's been going on these past, I don't know how many years you could do it. But they really, you take a guy like Putin, they, they ought to have him known as Rasputin, you know, the mad <laughs> Russian. Yeah. And they ought to have Trump as, as the... Uh, he, he's a, uh, you know, he's he, he's connected with him. Yeah. They said they were going to have Willie Horton and Dukakis like uh, Siamese twins. They need to show what's going on, show the Republicans have done absolutely nothing, and get to the visceral. They have to get to the gut of these people. This intellectual stuff is wonderful, and it's all true. But it's too, the, the, the average voter is about a fifth-grade bumper sticker, you know, kind yeah. of thing. And it's, no, I get it. it's unfortunate. It was, you know, the guy who wrote the book who called in, you know, I mean, he was saying the same thing. Basically, you know, you've got to simplify it tremendously. And that's why I'm calling for the Democrats to simplify it as much as is possible. Take it all to the issue of corruption. It works in American politics. It put Donald Trump in the White House. And, and then he said, go ahead. Yeah, he just says they're all corrupt. That's what Trump would immediately throw back at. And right. he's got Hunter Biden on the same level as his corruption. Yeah. This is ridiculous. I know. I know. It's, I'm sure you do know. And that's what makes it so frustrating for yeah. the nine to one that you're going up against. At yeah. least. You know? Yeah, I'm with you, Barney. Okay. I'm, I'm with you. Okay. We, need to, we need to simplify it and we need to walk the talk. Barney, thanks a lot for the call. Saber in West Covina, California. Hey, Saber, what's on your mind today? I wanted your opinion on this poll that came out. It's called the Harvard Caps Harris poll. It shows Trump leading Biden in a 2024 matchup, 47% to 41%, and Trump leading Harris, uh, 49% to 38%. And how anybody can lose to Trump after all that's happened is beyond me. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I wanted your opinion on this. I'm, I'm, I'm astonished that uh, Trump still has, you know, a base of support. And this is, uh, frankly, I think this is going to be a real crisis saver for the, for the Republican Party because increasingly Trump is collapsing. Uh, you know, his, his crimes are being outed. Uh, Congress is going after him. The Justice Department is going after him. You've got two different states that are going after him, New York and Georgia. Um, he will be a martyr, but, but I think that, you know, he has the potential to split the Republican Party. In fact, he's doing it right now, to split the Republican Party in half, which could be really, really good news for Democrats this fall and, and in 2024. We'll have to see how it plays out. But, I, you know, I seriously doubt that Donald Trump is going to run for president again. Now, that said, I didn't think that Donald Trump was going to win in 2016 either. And, and obviously, I mean, you know, he lost by three million votes in the popular vote. So my instincts were right, at least. But, but uh, you know, what, you know, what does it what does it say to you, Saber? What's what's your take on it? It says to me that, you know, well, frankly, Biden's not passing enough progressive legislation. I think if he uh, legalized marijuana, canceled student loan debt, maybe even if he expunged the records of those in jail for nonviolent drug crimes, uh, the numbers would look a lot better. I think you're absolutely right. And, and I think that when, you know, we, we do these surveys or survey companies are constantly doing these surveys of, you know, what do you think of Biden's job performance? And uh, very rarely do they go granular enough to ask why, you know, what are the specific issues? And, and my sense of it, and maybe I'm wrong on this, and, and, the, and the thing that might cause me to be wrong on this is what I was talking about yesterday, about how relentless the media has been at ignoring 
the incredible successes that the Biden administration has had economically so far, and instead focusing on the on you know the few narrow areas like inflation where they things seem to be a little bit out of control. Um, so uh, you know that would be the caveat. But my sense of it is that the main reason why people say no, I'm not satisfied with Joe Biden, is because Donald Trump is not yet in jail. And and because we still have student debt and because we don't have Medicare for all and because basically, you know, the corruption is still ruling in, in, in many ways in, in the United States. Now, you know, granted, most of this is the result of Republican obstruction, but there are there are a few Democrats in on that, too. I think if if uh, Manchin and Cinema had not blocked the filibuster or had not supported the filibuster that blocked the passage of the Build Back Better legislation, you would see or the voting rights legislation you would see a much, much, much more favorable landscape for Democrats in this 2022 and 2024 elections. It would blow up the Republicans' ability to do voter suppression, and it would be delivering stuff to the, to the public right now in a big way. But, you know, hey, we've got a couple of corrupt senators on our side, too, and we need to own that and do something about it. Sabre, i got to run, but thanks a lot for the call. All righty. Bernie Sanders comes out and says, OK, this is it. We're going to do something here. Starbucks and Amazon both starting to unionize. Howard Schultz has come back into Starbucks because he's, you know, the great union buster. Or at least he thinks he is. I mean, we'll see how this plays out. Uh, this was uh, on Monday. Uh, Schultz said the, the Starbucks is being assaulted in many ways by the threat of unionization. Right. And of course, Jeff Bezos going after the unions over at Amazon. So Bernie comes out and he says, while the billionaire class is becoming much, much richer, real weekly wages for American workers are $40 lower today than they were 49 years ago. That would be when Reagan started his war on working people. In fact, Sanders continued, during that period, there has been a massive transfer of wealth from the working class and middle class of our country to the top 1%. And he cited the statistic that, uh, this was a, a, a recent analysis done by, by an economics group, that $50 trillion in wealth, the middle class in America used to be incredibly wealthy prior to the Reagan administration. $50 trillion was taken from the bottom 90% and put into the pockets of the top 1% between 1975 and 2018. We have now 700 billionaires in the United States who added $1.7 trillion to their money bins just during the pandemic. Today, Sanders said, multi-billionaires like Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, and Richard Branson are, taking, are off taking joy rides on rocket ships to outer space, buying $500 million super yachts, and living in mansions with 25 bathrooms. And let's, just be, and let's be clear, it's not just income and wealth inequality, it's economic and political power. According to one recent study, the corporate assault on unions over the past decade, um, I'm quoting here from a piece over Common Dreams about Bernie, uh, over the past four decades has cost the median U.S. worker $3,250 a year. That's just the, the anti-union activity. Amazon spent $4.3 million on anti-union consultants. They're going to, you know, everybody's celebrating that Staten Island just unionized Amazon warehouse. Amazon is, in all probability, going to appeal that. 
Sanders says, on the one hand, there's a growing movement toward oligarchy in which a small number of incredibly wealthy and powerful billionaires own and control a significant part of the economy and exert enormous influence over the political life of our country. On the other hand, in opposition to oligarchy and corporate greed, there is a movement of working people and young people who in ever increasing numbers are fighting for justice in a way that we have not seen in years. Amen. Quick math, the less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, all into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. It's accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com slash Hartman. That's netsuite.com slash Hartman. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Joel in Joliet, Illinois. Hey, Joel, what's on your mind today? I believe my book can convert 15 to 25 percent of red voters. It sounds heavy. Wait a minute. You're assuming red voters read books? Yes. Okay. Well, that may I be think dangerous. If it's promoted, and politicians start talking. Uh, mm. I think it's a go. Okay. Well, the first question to start with: Why is everyone fighting an inside-out world war in their head? Well, if you start a conversation with grown-up assumptions, you'll have both feet standing firmly in midair. But if you break it down, a conversation to third-grade simple facts, answers come alive. I explain this in a book I call I wrote. Life is third grade simple. It's the grown-ups that keep forking things up, which is available on Amazon. I explain how did America come to this. Back in the day, there were two villains, politicians and corporations. They needed more control over the little black and white yeah, pawns. Joel, instead of reading this to me, uh, you know, I get it that you wanted to plug your book, and you did that. Um, is there a point that you're trying to make beyond that? Uh... Yeah, because what people don't get is the tr trick that, that uh, tr corp politicians and corporations, they teamed up in 96 with hate media in 96. That, they, become, uh, they become what I call tri-hatus. Tri-hate-us. It's tri-hatus against the American pawns. Us. Yeah. So the trick that they do is they have uh, a pickup truck. Imagine a pickup truck. you got a politician driving hate media in the center, and you got corporations in a passenger seat. Behind their truck, they're pulling a long rope, and there's uh, all these decoy cans tied onto it. And each decoy can is labeled CRT, 1619, don't say gay, transgender, 
These are decoys reinforced. No, I, 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 I totally get it, Joel, and, and good luck on your book. Spot on. I can't disagree with your point. Daryl in Townsend, Delaware. Hey, Daryl, what's on your mind today? Hey, Tom, how are you? Good. What's up? Uh, Long-time listener, first-time caller. Uh, I, I appreciate you. you. I was wondering if you heard on Joe Madison this morning, this Trump supporter was asked, I believe by a reporter, who she would vote for, Joe Biden or Putin. And she said Putin. And then she she uh, uh, she said that Putin has or or the Russian people were have been the bad guy ever since uh, after after World War Two. Yeah. And uh, I, didn't, I didn't hear it on on Joe's show. I missed his show this morning. Although his, it's it's really don't miss radio. I mean, Joe Madison does some of the best radio in the country. Uh, yeah, and, but yeah, I but I did totally miss his do. show this morning. But I have seen the clip that you're talking about. Okay, so so where do right. you want to go with that, Daryl? I just wanted to uh, get your opinion. I mean, how, how can we help these Trump supporters? <laughs> I guess it's my bottom line. It's a real tragedy, you know? The, you've got these people who, who I mean, you know, Trump came out again yesterday and supported Putin. I mean, you know, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it, it is a disease inside the Republican Party, and he's not yeah. the only one doing it. And, and yeah. I, you know, I'm wondering how this is going to work out for the GOP. I mean, how long can they, can they continue to win elections with the crazy mm-hmm. vote? You know, with the people, with the, you know, basically gullible white people who will fall for anything. You know, whether it's yeah. lizard DNA or whether, whether it's Putin is the hero of the story here. I, you know, I don't know the answer to it, Daryl, but uh, I, I know that the Republican Party has a big problem right now. And 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 it, and it goes. I mean, you know, if over at the banter, uh, the Ben Cohen's, uh, the young Ben Cohen's website uh, this morning. Uh, the uh, the whole op-ed was about how uh, uh, Rona McDaniel, uh, Romney McDaniel, you know, the the head of the DNC or the RNC rather, had a choice about whether she was going to take on Matt Gates paying underage girls to have sex, or whether she was going to support these attacks on Judge J- uh, Jackson. You know. And uh, no, we're not going to do anything, she said, basically, uh, about, you know, problems like this in our party. Um, you know, we're, we're going to try and paint somebody else this way. It, it's just it's it's pathetic. It's, it really is. And uh, but, you know, where it's going to go, I don't know. But as long as the Republicans are having this internal battle, um, you know, and supporting corrupt positions, I continue to believe that if Democrats pick up corruption, as the single club they're going to use and put everything in that frame that they will win. And I think this is a piece of it. I think this is absolutely a piece of it. The corruption of the Republican Party by money from Russian oligarchs. I mean, look at Mitch McConnell. He ran for re-election based on the fact that a Russian oligarch was going to build an aluminum factory in Kentucky. They never, you know, the guy never built it. You know, after the election was over, the guy said, oh, I guess I don't need to do this anymore. Um, but, you know, McConnell got him the benefits that he wanted and, 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 and goodies like that. So yeah. I think that's, that's what we need to point out. Daryl, I got to move along, but thank you for the call. Dave in Federal Way, Washington. Hey, Dave, what's on your mind today? I got into a conflict with a bunch of them. Archon means ruler, right? And they were anti-mask. But anyways, they called me a psychic vampire, right? So I researched it, and it made me feel bad. But here's where it's relevant. Here's what I learned. I, I, I dumped my, my bad feelings about it because these people are authoritarian-minded, Tom. I mean, their version of utopia is just being told what to do, you know, being told yeah. what to do. Yeah, yeah and, sadly. And, and the, the, well, and the reason why this is relevant is because, look, uh, in, in, the, in the next 
People's Republic. There's this guy, Dennis Bushillen, right? He was an acolyte of Sergei Mavrodi, who is a um, he's an imprisoned Russian politician. Look, Tom, they literally turned a Ponzi scheme into a political movement. Who's right? they? They is Mavrodi and Dennis Bushillen. I have no idea who these people are, Dave. Look, it gets blurry. The differences in capitalist systems and authoritarian systems. There's no one authoritarian system the same, Tom. You know, um, there was another Russian dissident just today. He said that, that Vladimir Putin, he, I guess he's prophesied Vladimir Putin's death. He said if Vladimir Putin dies, it's going to be a lost war. If he loses a war, it probably will be his death. Yeah. And you and, know what? The guy's right. I saw. Well, and there's, there, there's rumors now that, you know, Putin is traveling around with a with a doctor who is a specialist in thyroid cancer. And he's gone on 30 different trips with him and all this kind of stuff. People are speculating about it. I don't know, Dave, how this is all going to shake out or if any of that's true. What I think is important is that this morning, Zelensky said before the United Nations, Russia needs to be kicked off the U.N. Security Council. And our ambassador... Linda Thomas-Greenfield, if I'm remembering her name correctly, um, said let's at least for the moment remove Russia from the Security Council on a temporary basis, which is, I think, probably the only way they could do it immediately. George in Garden City, Kansas. Hey, George, what's up? I think Liz Cheney is setting up to make a run. And I think that's going to run for a split for in the Republican president? Party. Yeah, not I think she's chance. going to use her name recognition. Not a chance. I think she's setting up to run. No, I, I she's think not. She will, she's trying. She is trying to hang on to her seat from Wyoming, and then eventually, when one of the senators retires, she wants to be the the senator from Wyoming. I, I you know, Liz Cheney doesn't well, have I, a chance running for president. I think in in about two years, the political landscape. What makes you think that? Too? I, I mean, is, is this just your opinion, or are you seeing something out there? Oh, it's just, no, it's just my opinion, Tom. I just yeah. watch her in the uh, on the January 6th commission when right. she's talking, and I think she's setting her up. To, uh, I think she's one of the more conservative Republicans, real conservative Republicans, not these crazies out there now. And I just think that there's, it's going to cause a split in the party, and and it's going to be a. I big, think you're uh, right on that. Firework. You're, you're seeing you're seeing, yeah. in fact, with Judge Jackson's nomination, what we're seeing now is the Republican Party beginning to split into the Trump faction, or the Trump crazy faction, or the Trump say anything to get elected faction, versus the old fashioned business coalition. You know, the Mitt Romney, Susan Collins, Lisa Murkowski kind right. of Republicans. And I think Liz Cheney is going to kind of be. Their uh, spokesman for their side of the Republican Party, and then who knows who's going to come out of that mess on the other side. Yeah. And I just think it's going to cause a big split. And I think, uh, and I really don't know, have any idea on who's going to be the Democratic nomination. I we'll, we'll see how it shakes out, George. We'll see how it shakes out. I'm, I'm skeptical about Liz Cheney for president, but I am. Uh, but I, I would bet you that Mitt Romney is looking at it really seriously, and he has a chance. Lewis in Norristown, Pennsylvania. Hey, Lewis, what's on your mind today? Hi, Tom. Yeah, so something that's been bothering me lately is that I've been seeing uh, progressive members of, con of Congress just randomly tweeting things out like, pass Medicare for all, forgive student debt. It's like, not only are you preaching to the choir, you sound a little pandery. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, they sound a little pandery. Like, and, and it's, it's almost like a cop saying, like a police officer saying, let's arrest that... Uh, Arrest that that uh, serial killer that's killing people in our neighborhood. Like, or no, don't commit crimes. It. It's your job. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But it's it's their job. They're in Congress. Why are they like? So my question to you is, do they do they not have access 
to Biden at all that they have to resort to tweeting, like in the hopes that he would be scrolling through thousands of tweets to find theirs? That's a good question, Lewis. And my uh, my answer is grounded in something Bernie taught me uh, when you know back uh, 18 years ago when he when he was on this show, um, and that is that politicians, while they portray themselves as leaders, are actually almost always followers. They may have leadership skills and really good politicians. Franklin Roosevelt, John Kennedy, Lyndon Johnson have good leadership skills. They can they can use that, but they have to follow the people. And so when yeah. enough people form a movement, when when uh, the, I, and I my recollection is that it was Bernie who used this metaphor. I might be wrong. But, you know, when a, a big enough parade gathers on the street out in front of the politician's office for a particular issue, when it hits a, a threshold where the politician realizes that that movement is big enough that it's going to go places, that's the moment that the politician runs out and jumps in front of the of the of the of the parade and hoists his own flag and says, this is my parade. I'm now the leader of this parade. They never start yeah. or only very rarely start as the leaders of the parade. Teddy Roosevelt became the trust buster, not because he thought it was a brilliant idea, but because the American people were so sick and tired of, of oligarchy, basically, of giant corporations. Lyndon Johnson did the Civil Rights Act, not because he was a lifelong advocate of civil rights. I mean, you know, he was he was in all probability, a, you know, a, a white racist from Texas. He did it, at least earlier in his life, he did it because the parade got big enough he couldn't ignore it any longer. So in, in yeah. my guess is, Lewis, what you're seeing when you're seeing Democratic politicians talking about these individual issues. I mean, obviously, sometimes they're bragging about their own accomplishments. I just introduced this into Congress, and I hope it passes. You know, they're trying to build some momentum. They're trying to get the word out. But right, I think more often than not, what they're trying to do is they're trying to build the parade. They're trying to get enough people to say, yes, this is what we want, that it hits that critical mass where President Biden and others in the administration, this is what I'm doing right now about student debt try to put the pressure on to, the, to, so, to where they reach the point where they go, that's a damn big parade. I guess I better get in front of that thing. It's just very unproductive because, you know, it's, I don't think so. basically just preaching to the choir. They preaching are to preaching to the choir, to the choir like, but, but if you can create, and I think, you know, Donald Trump and QAnon and all these guys are great examples of this. If you can create the appearance of a movement, a movement will emerge. And creating the appearance of the, of the movement starts out by speaking out on social media and whatever other venues you have, you know, showing up at school board meetings and stuff like that. Bernie Sanders, the other, the other thing that I wanted to share with you today, Bernie Sanders calling out the union movement and pointing out that this is, this is a great way to uh, deal with oligarchy and corporate greed. I mean, and frankly, I don't think that there is any other better way to call out oligarchy and, and corporate greed. But, you know, hey, DeSantis and Republicans, hey, let's make some money on this. So anyhow, the, the uh, Open Records Act down in Florida says that, you know, the, a, if a news organization or anybody sues to, to have public record information, that it has to be provided as soon as the person responsible for conveying that, it's, it's called the custodian of the records, as soon as the custodian can accomplish that job. And the custodian of the records typically takes one day to deliver documents. 
Well, the news media want to talk, want to look at the documents that have to do with Halsey Bashir's knowledge of or oversight of or whatever Matt Gates's Venmo payments to this underage girl that he says he was helping helping her with school and others are suggesting that he was paying her for sex. And Ron DeSantis has put a hold on these documents. He's saying, no, you can't see these documents about Matt Gates paying underage girls for sex. You can't see them. Sorry. And they're saying, why? And he's like, well, I need to review them. And the review might take, well, I don't know, a few weeks. It might take a few months. It might take until November after the election. Who knows? I mean, he's not literally saying those words, but that's certainly the implication. Matt Gates is up for re-election in November, as is every other member of the House of Representatives. And it's looking more and more like Ron DeSantis doesn't want to have a sex scandal going on when he's trying to become president, which will come along in another two years. So just wanted to flag that for you. Keep an eye on this story. This Matt Gates story has the potential to really blow up in the face of the GOP that is trying to make themselves the, the, you know, the, the QAnon party, that we're concerned about those children being tracked out of that pizza parlor. This is their thing now. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Nicholas in Baltimore, Maryland, do you want to try the both sides are bad thing? Um, yeah, I was just a little bit, I mean, like you see Nancy Pelosi trading stocks and they're all still getting money from large corporations, just like the Republicans are. How can not all of them, the the progressive caucus has about a hundred members and they, by and large, they don't take corporate PAC money. They don't. And there's no, and there's no analog to that in the Republican party. There literally is not one single Republican in Congress who says, I don't take corporate money. You've got about 100 Democrats who are saying, we're not taking corporate money. That's about half the party, half the elected uh, chunk of the party, or a little less than half of that. And that's significant. That's consequential. And that's why, you know, I'm, I, I don't buy this stuff. I mean, I, I realize it was the main message that the Russian trolls were pushing on Facebook in 2016. It was identified by Robert Mueller. The number one message. There were two messages they were promoting. In the black community, they were promoting the idea that Hillary Clinton was talking about black people when, with her super predator comment, which hurt her badly. And, and, in, and across the board, in a more general community, the main message of the Russian trolls were, was, both parties are the same, they're all corrupt, therefore don't bother to vote. If you're going to take that position, Nicholas, I'm going to call you out on it. It's not true. I would disagree with that. Like, I, you can oh, say you that can Russian disagree with it all day long, but it's not true. What you're saying is not true. Yes, there are corrupt Democrats. I'll be the first to acknowledge that. You know, I've got one here in Oregon, and I'm working to get uh, his, his primary opponent elected to replace him. But not mm-hmm. all Democrats are corrupt. If you want to see this country stop being run by corrupt politicians, then you need to get inside the Democratic Party and start promoting uncorruptible politicians. 
So, uh, you know, I mean, it's just there's no alternative, frankly. Um, you know, but voting for the Green Party is not going to do it. Jay, or, or complaining on a talk show is not going to do it. James in Ozark, Missouri. Hey, James, what's on your mind today? Liz Cheney running mm-hmm. for president. I think there is no way that she runs. If she does, I don't even think she gets on the stage with the people that the Republicans want to put up there. Christy Nome, uh, uh, Chris Christie, Dan Crenshaw, Ted Cruz, Trump or one of his kids. There's no way that she gets the following I agree any with you. of those people. I, I, I agree I with mean, you. I, I think it's I just don't think it's possible, frankly. <laughs> well, she, well, I we, think she will be running there? for the Senate. Was it Mike Enzi is one of the Wyoming senators? I don't recall who the other one is. Um, but if uh, you know, if one of the Wyoming senators goes down in flames, I think that she has a good chance of running for the Senate in Wyoming. But even there, it's going to be a heavy lift. She is facing a serious primary opponent right now. And Kinzinger just said, hey, I can't, I can't deal with this. He's out. We're watching you know, MSNBC because that's a talking point that my father likes to mention a lot. Oh, I think Kinzinger and, and Cheney will really stand in there. We're not going to go in there and change in the primaries from Democrat to Republican and vote for one of those people. It's that's just correct. not happening. Yeah, not I, happening. I, I agree with you, James. I agree with you. But, you know, neither one of us are omniscient. We don't, we don't know everything. <laughs> We'll see what happens, but I, I'm very skeptical about Liz Cheney going any farther than, uh, frankly, being in the House and maybe the Senate. Roger in Acme, Washington. Hey, Roger, what's on your mind? Thanks, Tom. Uh, I'm all in on your uh, corporate corruption message. I wanted to suggest that uh, Biden give a big speech and propose two bold anti-corruption actions via executive order. Those being? Um, well, the first is every entity that wants to do business with the government has to have a SAM number. And the executive order would be simply to say that if you have a SAM number, ipso facto, it is corrupt. What is a SAM uh, number? I've never heard of that. Well, that that's a number that's assigned by, uh, uh, I think, GSA. I'm not positive. So in order to qualify to receive a check from the government, you first have to jump through a hoop that gives you a number. And this is in addition to your EIN, your employer ID number, which is like a company's social security number. Um, you have to have yes. the SAM number. Okay. I didn't know that. Thank you for informing me, Roger. So you're saying that in order to get that number to be eligible to cash a government check in the first place, you have to prove that yeah. you're not corrupt. Yeah. Well, that that would be the executive order right. that uh, uh, you have to um, you cannot donate to politicians or political causes. That would get struck would down by the Supreme Court in twenty twenty minutes. They'd say that's a that's an infringement on these corporate persons' rights of free speech under the First Amendment. Well, I don't think so. Not if uh, not if. Uh, they are, if they have a SAM number, they're doing business. But with see, the if, if, if Disney said to Boeing, I'm not, you know, I'm just pulling names out of the air. If, if, if company A says to company B, I'm not going to do business with you because you're giving money to politicians. They have every right to do that. But the First Amendment specifies the government may not limit free speech. And so if government says, if this corporation wants to give money to a politician, which the Supreme Court in three different decisions, Buckley versus Vallejo in 76, Bilotti, First National Bank versus Bilotti in 70, 
2008 and Citizens United in 2010 and then arguably McCutcheon in 2013. In every one of those decisions, they said that giving money to politicians is a form of First Amendment constitutionally protected free speech. And if it's government that's withholding money as a, as a result of that so-called free speech of giving money to politicians, that will go down in flames. First, you're going to have to overturn Citizens United. Well, uh, I would say that uh, as a campaign issue, uh, President Biden ought to make that case. Well, it, it could be it could be done as as sort of a moral issue, whereas part of getting your SAM number or whatever, you get some kind of a score and that score indicates how how political or how corrupt you potentially are. And that that becomes, you know, it couldn't be used in contracting because, again, it would be considered a punishment. Um, uh, I'm not even sure if if well, I don't know. I would have to think about that. That was your first point. Was there a second one, Roger, real quick? Well, yes, actually, that leads to the second the second one is that nonprofits uh, are governed by IRS regulations, and the IRS regulations say you can use a certain amount, nonprofits can use a certain amount of their uh, money for political consideration. And I would think IRS regulations could easily be changed by executive order again to deny any political activity by nonprofits. Okay. I don't, I, I'm quite sure that would not be something you could do with executive order because Congress passed the tax code and 501, uh, section 501c3 and 501c4 of the IRS code have to do with nonprofits that don't engage in politics and nonprofits that do engage in politics. And those are law. Those, and, and you can't modify law with an executive order. You can only modify the way the law gets executed. The executive order could direct the Internal Revenue Service to pay more attention or less attention to something, but they can't say, you, you know, you can't, you're not, we're not going to follow the law or we're going to completely ignore the law. But keep thinking, Roger. I like the way you're thinking. You're, you're moving in some good directions there. Thank you very much for the call. Susan in Phoenix, Arizona. Hey, Susan, what's on your mind today? What's on my mind is something I've been uh, trying to talk to these Medicare groups about uh, what I think needs to be done. And he hit the point by, Alex hit the point when he said, we need the public support. And I don't think reaching out to the politicians is going to help. I think we need to reach out to the public. And one of the problems with that is the public is so confused on health care. They don't know that we don't need insurance. They don't know the difference between Medicare and, and Medicare Advantage. I think we need a big campaign to educate the people. I agree. Even if you try to do problem research. is who's going to pay for it. I mean, you know, Social Security Works is living on on donations. You've got, I mean, you know, the the biggest organization that has the biggest pulpit is AARP. There's a couple of others, you know, retirement uh, uh, based kind of you know constituencies, but AARP makes most of their money from selling Medicare Advantage plans. Well, we start small and grow, and then we get donations. Yeah. But we have to start somewhere because you just have to make this our goal. Well, I mean, they've taken Social Security Works has started somewhere, Susan. So I would say, you know, it's 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 easier, if nothing else, to go with an organization that has already started this work. So you know, go over yeah. to SocialSecurityWorks.org and check it out. I think you'll be really impressed, Susan. I got to run, but I, you know, I I I think you said it very well that we need to be active. Get out there, get active, tag your it, right? Dylan in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Hey, Dylan, what's on your mind today? 
I was young in the 90s, and one of my friends' dad uh, used to talk about a bunch of conspiracy stuff. The first thing was the uh, Alex Jones um, had the conspiracy about um, Muslims basically attacking the Oklahoma City bombing with their Muslims. And then there was all these other stupid videos that he had us watch, but one of them was about the lizard people. And um, I don't know how how many people actually believe that uh, Bill Clinton you know, zipped on a lizard, a suit from, you know, being a lizard and zipped on a suit. But I do see there was a poll in 2013 that 4% of uh, Americans do believe in lizard people. Um, like I said, I don't know how far that goes. but 4%? Uh, I'll bet it's yeah, higher 4%. than that these days. I'm waiting for the lizard people conspiracy to infiltrate QAnon. Um, you know. I think it, it probably already has. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, they're, 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 they go after just the wackiest stuff, just the absolute wackiest stuff. Dylan, thanks a lot for, for sharing that story with us. It's great. Great to hear from you. Thank you. Ted in Gold Beach, Oregon. Hey, Ted, thanks for listening to KXTO. What's up? Hey, thank you so much. You know, you mentioned it before or earlier in your show about how colleges, et cetera, they're much easier to get into as far as, you know, to pay for it. Um, I went to a land-grant college myself, Oregon State University, Go Beavers. In that day, I had the Pell Grant. The national direct student loans at that time were at a very low interest rate. And essentially what the government did, they saw this truly impoverished child who had a brain, sent him to college where I got a degree. And by doing that, I have paid back in taxes, you know, several fold over what the government paid for me to go to school. But here's the thing that's really important in how I see it. It changed the trajectory of my progeny, my family. My son, he automatically went to college. He didn't even know he didn't have a choice uh, or that he did have a choice. He, it was automatically. His dad did. So, Precisely. It changes your whole, it changes the entire perspective. Now, where I work now, uh, you know, I was in public education. Now I work in a, uh, where, uh, with incarcerated individuals. And the statistics are overwhelming that if you educate the incarcerated and that they, when they are released, the the prospect of recidivism is greatly decreased. Uh, It's totally overwhelming. And I, I really hope that people can see that. Now, there's another point I want to make. Now, I know you got to go. You know, think about the marches that we witness. You know, the Black Pride marches, gay pride, women's pride. You never see a poor pride march. Being poor, there's very little pride in that. And, in fact, you're made to feel shameful. And not that we should all aspire to be poor, but what we need to do is to really look how can we elevate people out of that generational poverty and the key truly is education and that is that there's more for the buck so yeah i i i would say that the the two pieces of fixing poverty long term are number one giving people money so that they can get housing and food and they can they can have a, a reasonable life that's not a life of horrible continual struggle and number two giving them education and that provides the basis for it. I'm, I, you know, Ted, brilliant. Thanks so much for sharing your story. It's a great story. And I appreciate the call. We'll be back tomorrow, same time, same place. In the meantime, don't forget democracy is not a spectator sport. It requires you. Yes, all of us. That includes you. So get out there, get active, tag. You're it. Pray for peace. Be good to yourself and those around you. We'll see you tomorrow. 
You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.